All right. Good morning. Everybody doing okay? Wow. That's fantastic. That's great. No, like, late football games last night? Everybody doing all right? Good. Still the same response. That's encouraging to me up here. Um, hey, if you have a Bible, grab it. Go to Acts chapter 11. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, we've got some on the ends of the rows. Somebody can just pass that down to you. In that Bible, it's uh, page 536. So, um, now, in your copy of God's Word, and you don't have that Bible, I can't help you there. I don't know, 540, I don't know. But 536, if you got that Bible. We are going to jump right in, because we've got a good bit to cover. The good news is, if you were here last time, I had to cover like four chapters. This time, I only have one. So, we'll see how that goes. I'm sure I can stretch it out if I need to. All right. So, um, we have, um, we've been in this series for a couple months now, and it's, I love the picture of the gospel spreading through people. And, and a few weeks ago when I preached, I kind of s- put a summation of what the book of Acts is in one sentence. And I want to remind you of that because I think it speaks volumes into what we're going to talk about today. So the book of Acts in one sentence, as we talked about a few weeks ago, is this. The gospel spreads through ordinary people with extraordinary power who listen, offer, proclaim, and suffer. And, and, and that's, that's really like every story as you go through the book of Acts. They're all summed up in that. The gospel spreads through ordinary people with extraordinary power, which is through the Holy Spirit, who listen, offer, proclaim, and suffer. So what I want to do in order to set us up for Acts 11 is I want to give us a little recap and um, how that one sentence has played out since Acts chapter 1, if I could. Um, I don't know if you guys watch TV or not. Um, I know that's like an interesting thing now. It's like, no, I just watch like Hulu. Um, that's TV, actually. It's just, it's just a different form. Uh, or like, I just do Netflix on my phone. Okay, either way, you ever watched a series and you've got this series going on and all of a sudden, uh, you know, you, you've missed a couple weeks and you've got to catch up and you look and there's that part of it that says previously on. Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, Raise your hands if you remember this. This is going to tell the age of our audience a little bit here. Do y'all remember that it was, uh, man, this show got me pumped up. Previously on 24. Anybody? Anybody? Wow, wow, I'm surprised. Some of you were like seven when that show was out. You should not have watched that. Um, or, you know, it's like, pre- anybody jumped into this yet? Previously on Jack Ryan. Anybody jumped into Jack Ryan? The rest of you are like, I don't have Amazon Prime. What, you should get that. And go back and watch season one. That was, last, that was last year's, but now season two's here. It's great. Like, the, like the office is there, if, if, if you don't know what I'm talking about. It's, it's a great show. But there's this whole previously on. And so that's so you can kind of catch them and go, oh, I remember that, that theme. I remember that narrative that was going on. I remember that character development with that person. So it gets me to where I need to be today. So what I want to do is do a little bit of a previously on the book of Acts, okay? A little catch up, get our minds back wrapped around the entire narrative that's being played out uh, here in the scriptures. So previously, in the Bible, (laughs) Jesus shows up on earth. He lives the life we could not live. He dies the death that we rightfully earned, and he conquers death on our behalf. And then after his resurrection, he appears to his disciples, telling them really the vision, the will, the, the strategy for their lives. And he says this, a lot of people We kind of forget. Jesus appears in Acts as well. So Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This will be on the screen for you. It says, You will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. 
And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So that's Acts 1.8. Then Acts 2 is the day of Pentecost. And this was a Jewish celebration to celebrate the beginning of harvest. We see this, and you can go back in your Old Testament, look at this, it's in uh, Exodus 23, Exodus 24, uh, Leviticus 16, Numbers 28, kind of tells you a little bit about this thing called Pentecost. So what that means, though, is the disciples in Acts 2 have their vision statement with the power of the Holy Spirit, and thousands of people are gathered in their city. So there's an enormous amount of people, an abnormal amount of people in the city of Jerusalem, they've now received this message of Acts 1-8. So we're in Acts 2. Peter, who who had kind of fumbled the ball, if you will, quite a few times right before this, uh, denying Christ three times, I mean, just cut a guy's ear off, just not doing things real well. God, in his way that he tends to do things, chooses Peter for a moment where thousands are gathered there to celebrate this harvest, and Peter stands up and proclaims the gospel to a crowd of thousands of Jews. And what do we know that happens? Look at Acts 2, verse 41. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. You imagine that baptism service, by the way? Like, I love our baptism services, but that pool that we have ain't working. 3,000. I don't know if it's like, all right, everybody, to the edge of the pool. Count to three. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, go. Like, I I don't know, but but I'd love to see it. 3,000 souls. So now you have the disciples who are a couple dozen guys, and you go from a couple dozen guys to over 3,000 followers of Jesus. So now you have the world's first church, and it's a mega church immediately. Like, I don't imagine what that organization was like. we got to create programs. I don't know what they did, but like, they're, they're in this place where there's 3,000 all of a sudden. I mean, we've got like, I don't know, about 100 in this room right here, and all of a sudden, like, next week, it's like 3,000. Like, that would be a little overwhelming from a leadership standpoint. And from a how do we do this, what are we, what are we building here? So they lay out what they're building. Look at Acts 2, 42 through 47. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing to the, pro- the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So the church is continuing to grow. So you see this community being built. So, so not only are they becoming a healthy church, a healthy church grows, and they're growing daily. And as they grow as a church, the demands of leadership become quite a bit. Now there's like maybe around 5,000 people. Like that's, that's a pretty, like growth patterns, like they're showing up. If you, like in Outreach Magazine, they're in there. Like it's, they're on the front cover, the Book of Acts, Church in Jerusalem, they're growing. And so there's leadership demands that are coming up. So you go to Acts 6, and what do they do? they decide as a church to appoint a group of servant leaders or deacons. 
And two of those were men by the name of Philip and Stephen. So, so people are coming to Christ. The church is growing. Leadership is being raised up. But yet, if you go back to Acts 1.8, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, they're not there yet. The, the, the message they receive, they're not there yet. And then something tragic takes place. Because many people, though this church is booming and growing, many people don't like this gospel movement that they see. So they seize one of these servant leaders by the name of Stephen and ultimately murdered him by stoning him to death. And, and here's what that caused. Imagine us, right, growing all of a sudden 3,000, 5,000, and then someone doesn't like it, and they murder one of our leaders. And there's the threat of more murder. They scattered. They started moving. Like, they're going towards Alabama and Tennessee, and, like, they're moving. They're getting out of the region because they're fearful for their lives. And that included a servant leader by the name of Philip, who shared the gospel with the Ethiopian eunuch, if you remember. So the gospel is now spreading in the way that it was spoken about in Acts 1.8. It's just like God to take something that the world views as, um, as tragedy, and yet he takes it, and tragedy in the hands of a loving God can turn into something amazing. The cross is an example of that alone. The murder of God turns into the greatest news you've ever heard because he conquered death. So God takes this and uses it. They scatter, but when they scatter, what do they take with them? They have the Holy Spirit and they have the gospel. Then you get to Acts 8 and 9. And a man who was a terrorist, who had been ravaging the church, his name was Saul at that time, ends up being Paul, he becomes a follower of Christ. So not only is the gospel going out to everyday normal people, it goes to a man who is one of the ones ravaging the church and was there. He was actually standing there when Stephen was killed, approving his death. And then you get to Acts chapter 10, which is what Billy discussed last week. So Peter, who we just talked about, who preached the gospel in Acts chapter 2, is given a vision. God gives him a vision. And the vision is simple. The gospel is for everyone. Even the people that Peter or any of those people who were Jewish would not by custom, they were not by custom even supposed to talk with. The gospel was for them too. That was the Gentiles. And then we reach Acts chapter 11. And Peter is now giving us this great summation of what Acts 10 is. So rather than me doing that, I'll let Peter do that. We're going to read quite a bit of scripture here. And so I invite you to follow along with me. The gospel is for everyone. Check this out. Acts 11, 1 through 18. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party, not a party you think you want to be a part of, criticized him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. So he went to Gentiles. 
But Peter began and explained it to them in order. Here's what he says. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, by no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times. Billy pointed out the significance of that last week. And all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, okay, all right. I, I, I hear myself. I don't know. Do y'all hear me? Am I good for right now? Okay, all right. Just in case, just in case. Got it. What verse was I on? No, really, what verse was I on? Thank you. Somebody's listening. And behold, at the very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were sent to, which were sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on me, just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord. How he said, Jesus baptized, or John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Christ Jesus. Now, just, here's a separate sermon for you in just these lines. Who was I that I could stand in God's way? Verse 18, when they heard these things, they fell silent. And they glorified God saying this. Then to the Gentiles... Also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. So, so he, hear me. What is all of that saying? Now the church knows that the gospel is not just for the Jewish community exclusively, but it's for the world. Remember the book of Acts in one sentence? The gospel spreads through ordinary people filled with extraordinary power who listen, offer, proclaim, and suffer. So now I want us to pick up in verse 19. Verse 19. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch. All right, so, so hear this. So now we're talking about people all the way in, a Greek, in the Greek city of Antioch, which would have been at that time in the Roman Empire the third largest city behind Rome and Alexandria. So now the gospel is in this influential city that is filled with Gentiles, those who are not Jewish. By the way, the majority of this room, that would be you. Speaking the word to no one except Jews. So the message hadn't gotten to these guys yet. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists. So these are Jews who speak in the Greek language also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. So, so here's what we're seeing. The people from the church in Jerusalem scattered, right? Many of them to Antioch. 
And what are they doing along the way? Spreading the gospel. Pick up verse 22. So the report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many were added to the Lord. So Barnabas then went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. So, as the gospel spread, a church was planted. And the word of this church and what they were doing reached all the way back to the church in Jerusalem. And listen to me, this church was incredible. Church of Antioch was growing. This was a healthy church, as we're about to discover. And here's what I want us to do for just a few minutes. I want us to practically look at what made this church healthy. Like it's one thing to gather and show up here and kind of do this thing and check the card off. But I understand, that's not the vision for this church. The vision for this church is not that we just show up, click a thing on a Sunday, hey, I did my thing and I'm off and then on to the next and on to the next. And it's just habit. No, no, we want to be a healthy church. And this church is a healthy church from everything we can read in the scripture. So what did they have going? Like, what can we together as a church learn from this local church in Antioch? So, in, uh, in, in the theme of one sentence, let's put together one sentence that will carry us through the rest of our time together. So, let me just start this sentence. So, this church was started by everyday people. So, if you're taking notes and you like points, here's your first one. We got something for everybody. If you like points, we got three of them. If you like one sentences, it's one sentence made up of three points, all right? So, the church was... Started by everyday people. But specifically, who started this church? I mean, you ever thought about it? Just reading in the passage, who started it? What, what was his name? What, what book of the Bible did he write? Like, is he famous? Does he have a new podcast coming out and everybody knows about? Famous preacher, teacher? Who, who is this? You can ask this question. Was it an apostle that started this church? Who started this healthy church that's sending people everywhere. I know this. Look at Acts 1, or Acts 8-1. Look at Acts 8-1. Going back, it says, and Saul approved his execution, talking about Stephen, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. What does that say? Except the apostles. So here's what we know. It wasn't the big bad apostles who started this church. It was not them. So, so, so who started it? I mean, do, do you know that the greatest movement of the in the first century happened in a city that arguably gave us the most influential New Testament church and nobody even knows who started the church? I love that. Nobody famous is attached to the planting of the church at Antioch. Instead, 
the Bible only mentions this. Look back in chapter 11. Look at verse 20. But there were some of what? It's on the screen, okay? But there were some of them. So who started this church? Them. That's who started the church. Men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, also preaching. So what did them do? (laughs) They preached the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with who? Them. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. So no names, no celebrity pastors, just just good old-fashioned them. It's the everyday people who had fled after Stephen's murder. These are ordinary folks. Look, I believe if we're truly going to see a movement, it's going to be on the backs of everyday people filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not just going to be because we have better worship services with lights and these things. Those are fine. I like lights. It's, it's helpful. I like mics that work. Like, those things are nice. I like good music. But if we're going to see a real movement, it's not going to be on the backs of great musicians. It's not going to be on the backs of just great preachers. It is going to be on the backs of everyday people. I mean, the movement that took the gospel to the world was through a church that was started by you and me. Normal people with everyday jobs. Who loved people enough to faithfully share the gospel. I mean, I want you to think about our church for a minute. Now, there were, there were a group of people from North Carolina who uprooted their lives and moved here to start this church. And I do not want to take anything away from that. But I want you to hear this. There was also a pretty decently large group already here with roots down, living in this community on mission. I think about Jay Joyner. I think about Brian Buck. I think about Brian and Jennifer Miller. I think about Tom and Terry. I think about my wife. Group of people living on mission in this community with roots down. You know, you know who you guys are? You're, you're them. Everyday people. So, so who are we? We're, we're them. We are a coalition of the willing. And listen, the question is not if you are called to live out this mission, but only where and how. And let me say it this way. We live in a, what I would call a what's next culture. Does that make any sense? We live in a what's next culture. And not picking on the millennials or anything, but millennials, it's really specific with you. Studies tell us that. It's this, but, but it, but it kind of gets all, it's a good bit of, a, of an Atlanta, metro Atlanta culture. It's what's the next job? What's the next neighborhood we're going to upgrade to? What's the 
next part of the city or the next city that we're going to live in. And listen, I'm not saying that wanting what's next is a bad thing. I'm just saying while you're in the job that you're in, while you're in the neighborhood that you're in, while you're in the city that you're in, be all in. Look, life took these people to Antioch. I mean, these people were running for their lives, fearing persecution, and they woke up one day and they were in Antioch. Yet, they were faithful to the gospel no matter where they were. So, so, so maybe you're working a job right now that you don't love. Am I saying don't, don't go on Indeed, don't go, don't, put your, don't go on Monster, don't put your resume out? I'm not saying that. Some of you don't like your job so much, you're like, well, Indeed, what was that? I need to write that down. Maybe you're at a school you don't like, or maybe you're still in high school and you just can't wait for college. It's just that next, what's next mentality. And again, it's okay to be future in thinking. That's the only way I think. It drives my wife nuts. Like we're on vacation and we're in the middle of enjoying something. I'm like, hey, so where are we eating next? Like, why don't we eat this meal? (laughs) Like, let's be where we're at. Like, that's a good waffle. Enjoy it. Why are you thinking about what's for dinner? Because to be honest, that's kind of what I think about constantly. I'm just going to be honest with you. Like, but in some of you, you have a little bit of a ministry mentality. I mean, just throw that out. And it's this idea of, like, I'm doing this job right now, but one day I'll be in ministry. And from a person who's been in ministry and then now working in, I work in nonprofit, but I'm in marketing. I mean, just say this. Um. Has it ever occurred to you that where you're working right now, where you're living right now, where you're going to sit right now, that is your ministry. That is your mission. The the, the call to follow Jesus is the call to be sent. And where you are is where you are sent until further notice. So go for it. Be faithful to share the gospel where you are. We are them. If we're going to be a healthy church, we must be a church full of everyday people willing to do whatever it takes to live out our mission where we are planted. Till further notice. So, go back to our sentence. The church was started by everyday people, number two, and it was open to everyone. It was open to everyone. Look, it was the first church plan among the Gentiles. And by the way, that is good news, as I mentioned earlier, for the majority of us in this room. I mean, here, here's a crazy thought. Almost every one of us can trace our faith heritage back to this actual church in Antioch. True story. Like, this is the first place followers of Christ were called Christians. You see that in verse 26. And this was not a brand that they gave themselves. They didn't come up together. They didn't have like a meeting and, you know, it was like, hey, we got a creative meeting. We got a whiteboard. Let's put this up there. Let's see what we can come up with. Christians. Christ. Little Christ. Yeah, let's do that. They didn't come up with it. It was, it was 
And it was the outsiders who were like, uh, Christians. They're like little Christ, Christians. Because they were known for what they were doing. They were known for looking like Jesus. And, and I mean, do you realize this? Christianity is the only major religion in the world that is not ethically centered. It is diverse. It expands the globe. Every other major religion in the world is based primarily on one ethnic group. The gospel is for everyone. Right? Like This, this is the basics. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting. It's for everyone. It's for the globe. And we must be a church that opens the doors and opens our arms to those who look like us and those who don't look like us. And you might be sitting there, but I really want church to be comfortable. Um, if you want a church that is comfortable, let me tell you this, you're not going to be at a church that is open to everyone. And that's not biblical. If we are going to be a church that is open to everyone, then we are going to be uncomfortable at times. And I think that is a healthy place to be. I mean, think about it this way. The church at Antioch was open to a former terrorist. Look back at verse 25. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. Now, now here's a huge key thought here. When Barnabas experienced what was happening in Antioch, he went and got Saul to come see it. Because at this point in time, in Acts 11, Saul had been rejected by the church in Jerusalem. They're like, no, sir. Uh-uh. You're a terrorist? You're the one that killed Stephen? No. He'd already been rejected by one local church. Now, for all we know, this is the only other local church we see in the book of Acts at this point. So now, you see this local church. What do they do? They receive him. So, Saul becomes Paul somewhere between Acts 11 and Acts 13. While he's being mentored and discipled by the church in Antioch. If it weren't for them being open to everyone, we wouldn't have Paul. He had quit. We wouldn't have half the New Testament. We wouldn't have the modern day church. Listen, our church has to be a place where it is okay not to be okay. Everybody doesn't have to have it together when they show up here. Because that just leaves a lot of room for grace to abound and for God to bring healing in people's hearts. And then what does God do? God changes hearts and he changes habits. He does that. So if people walk in with stuff that you're like, whoa, great. Let's watch grace abound and let grace change people toward godly living. You can go look at the book of Titus. That's exactly what it says. Grace actually, because some people are like, no, 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 don't teach grace. Then people do whatever they want. No, no, no. If people actually see and experience grace, it actually propels you. That's what the Greek word in Titus means. Propels you towards godly living. So the church 
Look at our sentence. Was started by everyday people. It was open to everyone. And third idea was this. And it was generous in every way. This church was generous in every way. Man, I wanted us to be like this church. Look at verse 27. It says, Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This, this took place in the day of Claudius. That just means in the reign of Claudius, which uh, in the Roman Empire would have been A.D. 41 to like A.D. 54. Verse 29, so the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. That's verse 30. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. This church is generous in every way. But specifically, what we see here, they were generous with their money and they were generous with their people. Okay, hear me on this. They were generous with their money and they were generous with their people. What you see in verse 29 was that they were generous financially. That, that, that means they, they were bringing their possessions, their money together to send back to the original church in Jerusalem. Can I just say this as a church? We, we should be really generous financially. And, and that starts with all of us right here. Generous financially. We have to be generous in how we give here. And yeah, I'm, talk, I'm talking about money. Look, I'm, I'm a lay member here. I, I I don't get a dime. So I'm just like you. And look, we get, it's not a, we have to give. No, we get to. We, we get to be a healthy church. We, we, we're called to faithfully give so that the church, us together, can be generous in every way to the community that we live in. So I, I want to challenge you with that. The Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So sometimes just, just go look at your, at your finances and see where your money's going. They got apps for that. If you need somebody to advise you in that, Nolan's right here, he does that. Um, like, look at it and just see where your money's going, and it'll say a lot about your heart. Like, my heart's really tied up in Zaxby's, I'm just going to be honest. Like, it's just, just kind of go look, and you're like, man, that's a lot of Zaxby's. Did you have to get the five finger? I could have gotten the, the four. Like, what? Just get the big Zach snack, Dustin. No, nope, I, want, I want more. Like, just go look at your finances and see where they are, and it'll say a lot about your heart. And what I would ask is, is, is there a generosity in our heart towards what God has called us to do together as a church? Like, it's, we're literally kind of putting our money in a pile together and going, what can we do generously here and around the world? What, what could that look like? And lastly, they, they were generous with their people. They were generous with their people. This became the most strategic sending church in the first century. Like, how this church started, on paper, not very strategic. 
right? It wasn't like, hmm, Antioch looks like a good place. Uh, we've done a bit of demographic study. That's a great place to plant a church. There was not a lot of strategy behind it. It was, we don't want to die. Let's run. So they do, and where they run, they wake up one day, and they're like, we're in Antioch. What do we do? Share the gospel. That's what we do. But from here, the church becomes really, really strategic in sending their people to do the work of ministry. Look at Acts 13, just two chapters. It says, Now there were in the church of Antioch prophets and teachers, and it goes on to list all of these. Then look at verse 2. It says, While they were worshiping, the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. Now they could have kept Barnabas and Saul. They could have been like, no, no, we need you here. Keep leading. You, you can be one of the elders here. We want you to stay. But no, they're, they're sensitive to what the Holy Spirit wants to do. They're sensitive to the fact that Acts 1-8 is still out there. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and where? Ends of the earth. That's what I love about the book of Acts, by the way. If you read the book of Acts and you get to chapter 28 and it kind of conclude, it kind of concludes, it doesn't wrap up real well. I mean, honestly, if you're in the literature writing world and you look at the way the 28th chapter wraps up, it's like, well, it didn't really have a good bow on it. Like, go to the book of John. Man, the book of John wraps up real nice. Very poetic in how it ends. Really awesome. 28 doesn't really wrap up well. You know why? Because we're still in it. 29th chapter of Acts is still happening. Might not show up in your Bible, but it's what we're in. We're the sent people of God. And the ends of the earth haven't been reached yet. There's still 2.1 billion people who have never heard the name of Jesus. That's one out of four. Like, one, two, three, you haven't heard it. One, two, three, you haven't heard it. One, two, three, you haven't heard it. So we're still in this thing. And it says, then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them. And what did they do? They sent them off. And so from this point in place, Paul begins his missionary journey. And the gospel began spreading to the ends of the earth. And I'll say this practically and quickly for us. We have to be generous with our people here. So, how does that look? With your small group, we don't split small groups here. No, we're just generous with our people, and we send people out of our groups to go start new ones so that more people can be a part. And that should be a celebration every time. We, we aren't going to split as a church. But I'll tell you what we are going to do. At some point, we're going to take a group of people in this church and we're going to say, all right, it's time for you guys to get out. Not because we don't like you, but because it's time to plant a church. To start one. And we're going to look and it's going to be sad because they're going to be leaving. But that's what we see in the church of Antioch doing. So we're going to send our people and that should be a celebration.
And we're going to be sad because we're going to see people that are going to look and they're going to go, God is hitting my heart and there is an unreached people group that God is calling me to. And I'm ready to go. And we as a church are going to be sad, but we're going to celebrate because we are sending and being generous with you. One pastor says it this way, it's gaining by losing. That's who we want to be. So, one sentence that I think is what a healthy church kind of looks like. And I hope we'd, we'd seek it with everything we got together. The church was started by everyday people, open to everyone, and generous in every way. I pray that that is who we are and who we continue to become as God works in us deeply and through us generously.